Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, joining me, my partner in crime to my nephew, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? Good to be here as always, Lance. Slight technical difficulty here, but we're good to go. We're just getting the show out here on Twitter. But um, yeah, yeah, it's a good post-workout Saturday morning here. I hope all is well in your world, too. Yeah, I'm doing well. My, my, my soccer club, Manchester City, is dominating. And so it's a, it's a good morning. And before we jump into the program, I want to welcome everybody that's joining us on a live chat. I want to welcome everybody who recently has subscribed to the YouTube channel. Thank you for the support. We are trying to grow and get the show at least monetized before the start of the season. So thank you guys in those efforts for that. If you want to get the show via podcast platform, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and any other podcast feed. You can do a search for The New Standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kulong or Pittsburgh Steelers, some sort of combination of that, and uh, you can find uh, the program there. Last but not least, want to give a big shout-out to show sponsor, Great Dads versus Everybody. Big up to Ali Howard Species. Assalamu alaikum, my brother. Hopefully Ramadan is going well for you. So let's jump right into it, Neil. But before we do that, again, want to send my thoughts and prayers and condolences to the family of Dwayne Haskins. I believe the memorial services, I believe, were yesterday or earlier this week. So again, condolences to his family and to the Steeler organization and to all of his friends and family, as well as Steeler Nation. Such a tragedy for a young man to lose his life that way. Some more details came out in terms of what happened. Um, I think it was, I think his wife said he was getting out of the car to try to go get some gas for his car. And unfortunately, the tragic accident happened as a result. So again, thoughts, prayers, and condolences to the family of Dwayne Haskins. I know the Steelers to be a stand-up organization, so I know they will treat his family with respect and and treat his family well uh, in, in light of the death of their son, brother and family member let's switch reels big news in Steeler Nation Terrell Edmonds signed his deal correct me if I'm wrong Neil I think it was a one year two and a half million dollar deal that he signed uh yesterday give me your thoughts in the deal overall and um give me your thoughts on the impact of the draft do you think it will impact the draft at all is safety still on the board for the Steelers my opinion I think yes given the contract that it's one year and two and a half million dollars give me your thoughts I think first and foremost, as we've talked about on this show, Terrell Edmonds was a guy that they wanted to keep and they they would have uh, given the right uh, set of circumstances. And I think they found that both sides clearly waited a pretty decent time into this free agency period to kind of feel out the market and see what was there and uh, ended up striking a a one year deal, which is really just kind of a prove it deal. And it's coming at a, a substantially reduced valuation from where they didn't uh they declined his option his option was uh, i believe i saw one point uh, excuse me 6.5 million i've seen 6.75 million since then either way the steelers uh declined that and came in at 2.5 which edmund signed probably after waiting um uh reports indicated as well that there were multiple teams that were interested in him he chose the steelers it's only logical to then assume uh, the price was probably somewhere around that mark. So it looks like the Steelers read the market uh, perfectly well, and they they got their uh, strong safety back, a player who played 
uh, in my opinion anyway, and Doug Farrar was on this segment uh, supporting this a few weeks back. He played very well over the second half of the season. And with that, you've got the thought of um, a young player with a high ceiling when he was drafted, probably more athlete than football player. He's coming into his own now, and you have to, to be excited about his, his prospects uh, on a one-year, even if it is just a one-year deal. They're getting a good player um, who's played, I believe, 800-plus snaps every season for them, and they, they know everything there is to, to know about him. They, they're very comfortable with him in their defense, I would imagine, anyway. Um, all of that said, really what you're setting up with a one-year deal is kind of a one-year flyer on uh, filling that position next year. And before we get into Minka Fitzpatrick, like you asked, let's talk about the draft. Um, I would imagine, and I would have said this anyway, uh, they need a little bit of depth at that position that that's a player uh, looking to play safety as opposed to primarily being a special teams guy like Miles Killebrew is. I would have, I would have imagined anyway – uh, safety would have been something of a priority for him in this draft. Uh, this is a team that, you know, barring Terrell Edmonds and a, a kind of a, a miracle move for Minka Fitzpatrick, it hasn't been a team that's invested hugely in the safety position high in uh, the last several drafts. Go back to Sean Davis in the second round uh, and Terrell Edmonds in the first. It, people will argue whether those moves were, were worth the, the picks that they made with them, but here they are. I would imagine they would want uh, to put in a, a fairly high pick on a, a strong safety, a secondary safety type that uh, they could pair with Minka Fitzpatrick, a player I would imagine they want to sign long term at some point this offseason. So it, a, a good step forward for sure. It does kind of maybe a little bit. Um, not reveal, but suggest uh, more of, of a, a priority uh, status of most positions available to them in this draft. I think safety is probably going to be a mid-round, uh, you know, maybe a third-round type of pick, type of player. Uh, get a guy like that in, uh, get him some work this year as a backup, and probably look to start over uh, at that position in 23. I think it was a master stroke. Uh, by Kevin Colbert, and I, I hate, I love and hate that word, masterstroke. But at two and a half million dollars, dare I say, and somebody could check this, I, I believe he is probably the cheapest strong safety uh, in the National Football League starting. I would guess that he's around the cheapest, and I know he's the cheapest player in the National Football League at that position to play roughly nine hundred plus snaps. So you're getting a starter that's highly functional in your scheme that you know that's durable, who started 60 of the last 64 games at $2.5 million. And I think when you look at this defense, that was the gap or the hole that they had to plug. And I think at $2.5 million, it's a great move. You know, we're going to pl we're gonna plug back in our starter. Uh, we're not going to have a question mark here. And, uh, you know, this is a guy we know. I, I love the move. We all we both suspected that he was going to be back. We didn't think that uh, the Honey Badger was going to be was a realistic option for them. But let me ask this. Let me toss this to you. Name the starting secondary. Um, I don't know which direction you want to go left to right. I don't think it matters at the safety position. But name your starting secondary right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now that Edmonds is back at the quote unquote strong safety position. I, I don't think starting matters. They, they're going to play deep this year, and they did last year. I think they're going to use nine defensive backs. I think the ones that you're going to see the most often 
uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds. And from there, um, you have to think that Cam Sutton is is going to be a primary guy. They didn't sign Levi Wallace to sit and not play. They didn't sign Akella Witherspoon to not play uh, this year, at least. Um, and there, there's still a draft to come. Um, I, I think there, there's a slot. You know, <laughs> there's a spot for Arthur Mollett probably in the slot. Uh, that's five right there and uh, uh, probably a rookie safety. I wouldn't be surprised if they they uh, they look to make an investment pick on a cornerback late. Um, they could play six, seven guys deep. Uh, whoever is on the field for the first snap, I think, is going to be based on who they're playing. I don't think it's going to be as relevant. You're going to have a lot of guys logging 400, 500 snaps for them this season within their secondary. They could go three safeties deep. You know, they're, they're, they, they mixed things up a lot last year, and right now, it, it, it could be any combination of any of them at any time. The last thing I want to say about Edmonds, and I'll ask you one more question too. I want to quote a guy by the name of Neil Kulong, who wrote on Twitter uh, yesterday that Terrell Edmonds will be the first first round pick by the Steelers in the option era to have his option declined and play fifth year with the team. That Neil Kulong guy that wrote that on Twitter is a pretty sharp fellow. What do you think I about that comment by Neil Kulong? I would normally not listen to anything that he says. He's kind of an idiot, but in this case, he, he is correct. If you look back, the option era, meaning uh, when the NFL uh, put a, a rookie uh, salary cap essentially onto um, you know rookies in the the CBA that they signed in 2011, those first round picks on have the fifth year option uh, associated with them. The first one the Steelers drafted with that was Cam Hayward. Um, in that time, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think it's something like they, they've uh, they've picked up the option on five of them. They've declined it on three. But of the ones they declined, none of them re-signed with the team. They let them walk. And we talked about this last year, too, leading into the decision um, on uh, Edmonds. It, it's so tough. It was really on the line, in my opinion. And apparently that's, that wasn't the case because they signed him for a lot less money than, than I figured that he would get in the open market. But I felt it was a tough decision because he legitimately was a player that made a lot of sense for them to bring back. But that price point was probably a little bit too high. So my bet was 60-40, uh, them not picking it up. But I said from the beginning, he's a guy that they want to work out a deal with. They're going to want to keep him. So the, the fact that they are bringing him back really shows Edmonds uh, as, as a unique situation for them. It, it, in my opinion, it's been pretty black and white uh, whether they were going to bring a guy back or not. Uh, Bud Dupree would be the other exception. Um, some people weren't sure if they were going to retain him. They put a lot of work into him. He plays at a premium position. I, I didn't think that was that hard of a decision uh, for them to make. But you know, maybe some thought went into that, but nobody garnered more thought, I think, than, than Edmonds. It certainly wasn't Artie Burns. It certainly wasn't Jarvis Jones. Um, who was the other one? Were there, were there just two? And it, Edmonds. Edmonds was the third. Um, it, it, it's a, a good time to bring up, though, that that decision is due for Devin Bush on May 2nd. And I think that's less difficult of a decision uh, than Edmonds was there it, that that option is going to be worth about 10 million there's no way they're giving Devin Bush 10 million not no without way. not without seeing one more seasons but I would say uh, considering how young he is considering the injury he might also be a guy that we're talking about this time next year as somebody who signs a short deal or maybe even a multi-year deal 
uh, to come back at less than his option rate. So it, it's it, it's up in the air. It's a real interesting part of the game, in my opinion. But I, I think Edmonds is a good player. I think he showed that he was a good player. Uh, Two and a half million dollars for a solid safety uh, playing 900 plus snaps for you is is a bargain for sure. It's interesting. I think in his last couple of years, we're seeing the Steelers do some things that aren't customary, like throwing the dead years on the end of contracts, uh, this move with Edmonds. So we're seeing some flexibility. One last question on Edmonds before we jump into the main topic of the program of what side of the ball should the Steelers target in the draft? When you talk about, you know, the starters not being really defined at the cornerback position and because of multiple packages that they could play, depending on who they play, is not having a starting is, – is corner a position where, like, quarterback where if you don't have a starter, if you don't have one good one, you don't have any? I mean, I mean, is it is it a case where you kind of want to know who your starting guys are and then you're flexible off of that? Or is it is it is it does it really not matter? I, I think that's an excellent question. I, I would say this. There are very few all-field, all-packages, complete dominant cover cornerbacks in the NFL. Very few. Jalen Ramsey won. Ramsey would be probably the top of the list for all-around ability. And we, we see him getting touched up a little bit here and there. Receivers are just too good. Offenses are too intricate and too designed to complete passes and the rules of the game in and of itself are designed for offensive production through the air. It's really, really hard to shut a player down today to a point, And I don't know how much this pisses people off, but Deion Sanders would not succeed at the level that he was at when he played in, in the eighties. He just wouldn't eighties into the nineties. The game has evolved. The positions have evolved. Rules have become even more favorable to the offense it's really hard to defend like Darrell Revis. Revis and Sherman, in my opinion, are the last two guys that are going to be able to do it at that high of a level, the way that they were. And I don't, I, a whole other show dedicated to which of those two was better overall. Um, two absolute first ballot Hall of Fame players. I'm not sure we're seeing that out of the cornerback position uh, as much today. So what I think the Steelers are doing is they're trying to focus on uh, scheme, package, personnel overall, uh, as opposed to talent. They want to have five guys they can put on the field in any manner of, of uh, packages. Whatever they want to do with the slot, whatever they want to do deep, they get more guys that, that can play and not have to be kind of committed to just these four or five guys. The deeper they can go with that, the more versatile they can be. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And I would say that's a counterpunch in today's NFL. So it, it's it's extremely difficult to land Jalen Ramsey. Okay. You got to be really bad to get Jalen Ramsey, and then you got to make him happy. Jacksonville couldn't do that outside of being bad, which they're really good at. The Rams come in, capitalize, win a Super Bowl with a top flight cornerback that they're paying $20 million a year to. That's hard to do. There's a lot of things that need to happen for you to do that. And to, to be that focused on one position might not be the best idea in today's NFL. I, I think what the Steelers are looking to do is maximize depth on defense. Not that they don't have talent. Clearly, they have talent. They made a massive investment in arguably one of the three best defensive players in the game. And he's going to get his when he's healthy and he's on the field. 
coverage wise to add drafting 20 overall to add a Jalen Ramsey level field eraser is just it, it's as big a gamble as there is outside of the corner, the quarterback position in the NFL. So add a lot of them who are pretty good and are proven in the NFL. So you're not having to, to take the risk on the rookie with a high value pick. Get the cast offs who have some ability, pay them a little bit above market or a little bit above minimum, excuse me and work them into a scheme that's utilizing a lot of everything. In other words, in my opinion, what the Steelers are doing is betting on their coaching to say we can come up with a lot of different things that will nullify an offense that's not based solely in talent. We're going to be deeper. We're going to be more versatile. We can put more looks at people that they're not expecting. We have all of this on our – it's kind of the element of surprise. We have this uh, to our advantage, and I'm not sure the opponent is going to know this on a snap by snap basis and we can catch them off guard. We can steal a couple turnovers. We can get a couple sacks from the quarterback hanging on to the ball too long because they didn't expect these guys to be everywhere. And they're talented enough to be able to handle their, their assignments, if not dominate um, all phases of defense, three downs. This discussion went a little bit long based on me, but sorry listeners, but we're going to get into the main topic, but I thought it was a good discussion. I really wanted to jump into the Edmonds deal because I think it was very significant that the Steelers addressed the issue prior to the start of the draft. Let's jump into the skill position, Neil. I want to get your rankings overall of how do the Steelers rank in terms of the offensive skill positions. I'm going to keep offensive line out of it. And so where I want to start is at the quarterback position. According to my rankings, I rank the quarterback position uh, this way in the AFC North, the Browns one, Ravens two, Bengals three, and the Steelers fourth. Give me your rankings at the quarterback position. I have a real tough time separating um, the growth that we see out of Joe Burrow and what we remember seeing from Deshaun Watson. Keep that in mind. Burrow, though, is going to be coming back after a full season of non-injury rehab. And a lot of experience. He played a lot of games last year. To me, right now, I would probably put Burrow a, a slight bit ahead of Watson, knowing what Watson is capable of, but also factoring in that he hasn't played in, in a while and he's with a new team. Burrow is going to be more impactful than Watson. I think Jackson is a, a solid third of that. And whoever Pittsburgh is going to put out there is nowhere near the, the three who are ahead of him. So clearly they're last. And I, I, I think you're going to see a pretty good year out of quarterbacks in the AFC North. There, there are three really good ones there. At the running back position, I have Browns, Bengals, Ravens, Steelers. Um, <clears throat> running back, not running game, running back on talent alone. And please, everybody, just get your Lamar Jackson jokes out of the way now. I can't even begin to tell you how tired I am hearing that joke. Um, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, Nick Chubb is probably the best all-around running back in the NFL. Um, and they have a good scheme to boot. He's going to eat when he's healthy. You know, that that's number one, first and foremost. Um, I, I like what I saw out of Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris is going to capitalize on an offseason of an NFL program, NFL nutrition, NFL guidance. Um, I, I think he could be um, – a, 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 do we give him a step up over? Oh my God, I can't think of his name. The Bengals running back. I had um, I had I had the Ravens third because of 
their scheme. I like J.K. Dobbins. I like Edwards as the backup. Um, I put the Steelers down to fourth primarily because they don't have a, a solid backup in Snell or McFarland. They only have Najee Harris. Ooh. And because Najee um, only averaged 3.9 yards per carry, um, that's why I had the Ravens third uh, in terms of the running back position. So I had it Browns, Bengals, Ravens, Steelers. Joe Mixon, the name I could not think of, and I apologize for that. I think Joe Mixon and Najee Harris are a very competitive second. I probably would go with Mixon right now just because of veteran status. Um, I, I, I like what I saw to J.K. Dobbins as well, but coming off an injury, I'm not entirely sure what they're going to be. We saw really nothing great out of uh, Baltimore's running backs either at that spot. So I think a very competitive two through four in that regard, but I'm going to give the edge right now to the Steelers, then the Bengals, then the Ravens. But I, I think all three of them are going to be pretty close this season. You have Brown, Steelers, Bengals, Ravens. Yep. All right. We, we differ a little bit there. Um, in terms of the wide receiver position, I have Bengals overwhelmingly um, the top group <laughs> in the division. Uh, the Browns second, Steelers third, and Ravens fourth. I put the Browns second because I think Amari Cooper is better than uh, Deontay Johnson or Claypool, clearly better. Um, and so I, I gave the edge to the Browns there. Uh, what's your thoughts in terms of ranking the position groups uh, at the wide receiver position? Uh, first and foremost, yes, absolutely. Bengals number one, Jamar Chase is, I think, going to be one of the two best receivers in the game by the end of this season. Um, yeah, and, and Boyd and Higgins, you put those three together. That's, that's, that's a, a devastating trio. That's a that's, devastating that's, duo. That trio. group is the best in the NFL. They're they're going to be uh, they're going to be uh, pretty much unstoppable offensively. It's going to be up to them uh, what they do offensively. Um, from there, I like Amari Cooper. Um, I know he's not the Amari Cooper of old. I think there were some problems in Dallas. Uh, salary issues probably caused his release. Um, very smart of Cleveland to pick him up, though. I, I like what Cleveland is looking to do in the post-Beckham and Landry era there. Um, that's a solid room. They're, they're going to be good um, and, and deep, and they're going to have the ability to add to that a little bit. Uh, in this draft, I don't think the Steelers or Ravens are anywhere close to those two teams. Um, I like Deontay Johnson. I've, I've talked about this a bunch. He, he's just he's not a dude. He's a guy that your offense is not very good if you're getting him 170 targets in a season, which is what happened last year. They need help immediately. And no, Miles Boykin is not help. OK, he's a special teams guy. He's not going to make an impact on their offense. Um if he is getting the ball a lot, their offense is really bad. There, there's just no other way around that. And the Ravens cut Miles Boykin and don't really have anybody to replace him anyway. So it, they're two of the worst wide receiving groups in the NFL are the Ravens and the Steelers right now. Um, it, it's probably a position both will have to address uh, again within this draft. Call them a tie for fourth, and we don't even have a third place runner in the AFC North. Yeah, so you have them Bengals, Browns, Steelers, Steelers, Ravens. Okay, that 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 makes sense. Um, we agree there uh, in terms of that position at the tight end position. I think it's clear uh, with Andrews, uh, the Ravens are number one. Um, I put the Bengals second with C.J. Uzoma, um, and I put uh, the Browns third with Njoku. I have the Steelers fourth with Firemuth. I think all of those players 
are just a little bit more explosive than fire moves or a lot more explosive than fire moves. They give you more options in terms of route running because their ability to attack the seams, stretch the field, and open up the intermediate areas of the football field so you can attack underneath as you lift safety. So I had it ranked Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Steelers. Um, TJ Ozama signed with the Jets, so fortunately for us, okay. he's not in the division okay. anymore, um, which definitely will hurt them a bit. We're not exactly sure what uh, uh, Cleveland or Cincinnati is going to do at that position, but I think the main headline here is uh, Mark Andrews is one of the most underrated players in the game. I, I, he's incredible. He's just a phenomenal Absolutely all-around incredible. player. Doesn't get the credit that he deserves largely because of a guy like Kelsey. Um, Travis Kelsey in, in Kansas City is is a Hall of Fame level player and uh, really kind of well, maybe now getting to the downswing of his career. But Mark Andrews is right in the middle of his prime. Uh, big time player. Great asset for them. And everybody else is chasing the Ravens as far as tight ends go. I like what we saw out of Friermuth last season. Um, there are good elements to his game. Um, unfortunately, I think his his uh, his rookie season was highlighted by a real nice catch against Cleveland on a, a game winning drive uh, at the end on Halloween, and two fumbles at critical times and losses. So kind of up and down for him. Um, I like Frymouth. I like how he's developing. Let's see, though. We're, we're not there. He's not Andrews in any way, shape, or form at this point. Let's see what he does. He's still a very young player. There's still parts of his game he needs to work on. Uh, I like what I saw, and those who have been listening to us for a year know that I wasn't real big on that pick. Um, he, he turned me around in that regard. I, I thought he, he, uh, he performed well for a, a rookie, probably above my expectations for last year. He did a pretty good job. Um, they're going to count on him, I'll bet, a lot more this season. And we'll, we'll see if he's up to that challenge. So what's your rankings? I'm sure you have Ravens 1. I put Ravens 1, Steelers 2, because those are the only two teams that have a real answer that we know right, right now. Right. And probably Cleveland 3 and Cincinnati, you know, calling them 4 doesn't seem fair. We're just not sure what they're going to do. But with the firepower that they have offensively, uh, they'll find a guy that can catch the ball and, and roll forward. It's not going to be real tough to get a productive tight end out of that offense. Um, put them four in what I think will be a pretty solid tight end division as well. Now, I'm not really going to look at offensive line, but overall, I've had the Browns as the best offensive line, Ravens, Bengals, and Steelers. The reason I had the Bengals uh, as number three, because they did make the playoff run, although they gave up a bunch of sacks, um, you know, I thought they were just a slight tick better than the Steelers. So when I look at the AFC North in terms of the overall skill positions, um, I had the Steelers fourth at quarterback, uh, fourth in the running back room, third in terms of wide receivers. And I had them originally fourth, but I'll go with yours. I'll have them second at the tight end position. You have the Steelers fourth at quarterback, second at running back. Uh, third to wide receiver position and second at tight end and tight end. The distance between Andrews and Friermuth is about as big as the distance between uh, Northern California and Pittsburgh. So I think when you look at these rankings overall, it shows in my opinion that the Steelers have some issues at the skill positions and that they're uh, somewhat deficient and are lagging behind some of their divisional rivals. With that being said, true or false, Neil, the Steelers will average 23 points per game in the 2022 season. 
I would say true. I hope that they're not bragging about that, but it 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 doesn't. You gotta. <laughs> You have to be in a complete rebuild to score less than 23 points in today's NFL. You got to be a complete disaster. Um, look it up. I mean, it, it's you, you don't have um, you don't have many teams that are incapable of putting up 30 points somewhere along the line, and that boosts your average. I mean, scoring per game it gets harder and harder to really differentiate how much that that uh, that matters overall whereas look at like the the 2014 Steelers for example I think they scored 50 twice and they scored 13 twice um you you get into situations like that average is you know it gets kind of thrown off you obviously have the ability to to explode um and and to to put up points and defense and special teams can help with that but top to bottom um this is not going to be a, a, a good or consistent offensive team um 23 a game is probably right where I'd put them. Um, that's not a great number by any stretch. That's going to be bottom third of the league probably. And with that, um, I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're not excited about it. It's 23 for what they're going to do, which is really going to be emphasized mistake-free football. Uh, do your best to not uh, turn it over. And probably more than anything, they have a great kicker. That helps. Um Speaking, being able speak, to to kick field goals consistently will will get you to twenty three points a game. And, and speaking of the kicker, ironically, um, in terms of cap hit, he's the most expensive offensive player at five million per year. So it's interesting that you bring up Boswell. And the reason I picked that twenty three um, as a number is twenty three is about exactly it's exactly half. It's ranked yep. 16 You're last right. I'm year. Just looking at that now, uh, I'm surprised by that a little bit. 23.2 was ranked 16th, and the Steelers averaged only 20.2 last year. So we're talking about an addition of three points per game per year over the course of 17 games. That's about what an additional 51 points. I don't think they do it. I'm going to say false. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to say false. I, I think they get close to it, but I think they're going to be in the 23 to 20 range uh, just because they're bringing in a new quarterback. Uh, you're going to have some flux on the offensive line. I think they're going to have to get that right. And I still don't know five or four wide receivers that they're going to put on a football field. And the fact right now, in my opinion, they don't have a quality backup running back. So I'm asking all these questions because I think what we're seeing is when your place kicker is your highest cap charge on the offensive side of football, you don't have a quality backup behind Najee Harris. You have two starters at the wide receiver position that are of any, any value. Um, and you have an offensive line in flux, and you're bringing in a new quarterback. Let who's me ask you, <laughs> who's, who's just an average player in and of himself? Yeah, yeah. He's just yeah, not so, very good. So, That's kind of the main thing for me. But So, yeah, so again, true. So, so, so putting all this together, we look at the skill gap. We look at the skill positions. We think there's a gap there a as well. What side of the ball should this draft focus on? To me, it screams that this draft should focus on the offensive side of football. They need some dudes. 
they, they need some dudes. They don't have a bunch of dudes. Like, they don't have a bunch of guys that when you get off the bus and you look at that dude, you like, that dude's a dude. They don't have a bunch of guys when if you don't know shit about football and you watch five minutes of the game and you go, damn, you see that it. dude can play. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like when you have yeah, Martavis Bryant, right? You, you could not know anything about football. When Martavis Bryant got off the bus and you saw him running routes in pregame, you were like, damn. Mike Wallace. Watch Mike Wallace in warm-ups. Damn. Antonio Brown in warm-ups. Damn. Le'Veon Bell in warm-ups. Damn. My point is, they don't have dudes. They don't have dudes. They got coaching. They got scheme. So to me, this draft screams they got to find some dudes on the offensive side of the football to enhance this group. They found the running back. They found the tight end. We both think that Friar Muth and Harris will improve and get better. But outside of that, there's no one on that team, to me, that excites me. There's nobody that I watch and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's guys that go, okay, he's solid. He, he, he He's solid. Now, if you pair him with someone else, then that's the type of other guys that they have. What's your thoughts in terms of this draft and what side of the ball should it focus on? <clears throat> Let me go back to, to last year first. I'm going to use that to, to lead into my point. I got ripped for whatever reason by this, this gang of Bengals fans on social media for suggesting not only that the Bengals should draft Jamar Chase at five overall, uh, but it would be a complete and total no-brainer for them to draft him at five. He shouldn't be on the board at five. And the the first response to every smart-ass Bengals fan that, that hit me up on this was, um, have you seen their protection? Yeah. I've seen wide-open receivers catch 40-yard passes in two seconds, too. Don't see a whole lot of pass rushers <laughs> landing on the quarterback in two seconds. Get rid Absolutely. of the ball to an open guy. That's protection, Okay. One guy doesn't solve protection. I am completely anti-offensive lineman with a top five pick, a top seven pick even. Penny Sewell, I'm sure he's going to be a great player. He did absolutely nothing to help the Lions score points. Score points, exactly. Absolutely nothing. I agree a thousand percent. Jamar Chase was an all-pro player, and they went to the Super Bowl without doing a whole lot to their terrible offensive line. Joe Burrow got sacked. He tore up his knee. It's the offensive line's fault. Get rid of the ball, okay? And to be honest with you, Burrow didn't do a very good job of that in the playoffs. He didn't play very well. It's not a protection issue. It's a quarterback issue. Your quarterback runs your offense. He calls out protection. You can't get five top five offensive linemen, and you're not going to. You need to get good ones who can play in a scheme that you can coach and your quarterback needs to be aware of all of that. I like Joe Burrow. I love ripping on Joe Burrow. I like Joe Burrow. He's going to be a good player. He's not nearly as good as he's being made out to be. He's going to be. He needs some time to do that. My point here, Lance, is Cincinnati went out and got a dude, and their offense completely changed, okay? Burrow got better because of Chase. 
the whole offense got better because of Chase. It's not any just one guy doing everything, but one guy can make everybody else a lot better. And we see that more and more in the NFL today. The Steelers don't even come close to having that kind of a guy on offense. Not even close, okay? If you're drafting 20 overall, you feel the need to go with a quarterback. You like the one that's there. Okay, I, I get that. That's rule number one to me. Beyond that, though, if they don't take a quarterback at 20 and it is anything short of a wide receiver, tune into the show after the draft. You're going to hear about you're going to hear about it <laughs> ad nauseum from me. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I, I don't know what Chase Claypool's problem is. I have no idea. But we were getting signs of that at the end of his rookie season when everyone loved Claypool because he did well for them on their fantasy team. We all thought that he was the greatest thing ever. And all of a sudden, they, they dial his snaps and targets back a little bit. There's a weird random thing from Bob Labriola with the team about how he's not really doing things that rookies should be doing. Uh, you get much more vocal support from Ben Roethlisberger about James Washington, who probably not coincidentally was sitting in favor of Chase Claypool. Claypool's not doing something, okay? And we saw it all last season. He wasn't... It, it, a second-year player with his size and speed, the experience that he has, he should have been a lot better than he was last year. I don't know what his deal is. I know I can't count on him. I'm not going to be able to count on him. They need a dude at 20. And no more of this, well, we'll, we'll do what we do. We'll, we'll develop the guy from the third round. No, you need a guy, okay? You need, you need somebody to come in and make plays because you don't have that. Deontay Johnson is great at separating. He's probably kind of iffy hands-wise. He's going to let you down there a little bit. But he's a good NFL receiver. He's not a dude, okay? He's not particularly big. Two. He doesn't have explosive uh, athletic ability. You can use him a lot, and you should, but he's not a dude, okay? Jarvis Landry, not a dude. Had a very good career as not a dude. He's a guy you can get the ball to. I was thinking Jarvis Landry. When you said but Deontay Jarvis Johnson, Landry, I was thinking Jarvis Landry. Yeah, really. Jarvis Landry is an excellent example of what happens in your offense when he has to be the primary receiver or you don't have any explosive playmaking guys around him. He's good at getting yards, but if that isn't helping set up other guys to make plays down the field, what do you have? You have a field goal kicking offense, and that's what the Steelers are right now. Anything short of that at 20, I'll give you a quarterback, a push on a quarterback, but if you take a quarterback in round one, you damn sure better get a wide receiver in round two. You need a guy that can make plays. They don't have that to an embarrassing degree. I think we're clearly both saying the same thing. We're both saying that this offense should tilt on, or excuse me, this draft should tilt on the offensive side that they've got to get a baller. They've got to give somebody that's dangerous. You know, I wake, I woke up feeling dangerous. They need somebody that wakes up feeling dangerous every freaking game. And right now I don't think they have anyone. So let's do this, Neil with the let's do this and i wish i had a drum roll that i could insert here so i'll go <laughs> so with all that being said i think we're clearly as neil laughs at my bad drum roll i wish one of you guys I'm looking i'm looking for one i can't find <laughs> i wish one of you guys out there could drum roll this i'm going to write down the time of the drum roll uh, to see if I can insert a drum roll. Yeah, I don't have good, all yeah. my tools that I used to do. But with that being said, with the 20th pick in this year's 2022 NFL Draft, 
The Pittsburgh Steelers select. Should we want me to say it? Yeah. Chris Olave, wide receiver, Ohio State. Because something good is going to happen for the Steelers. Dumb, bad things are going to happen for other teams. Especially the Eagles, who are going to be dumb again and take the wrong receiver. Olave is going to fall to the Steelers at 20. There's no way that's going to happen, but frankly, that's I feel like that's the only way I could be satisfied. So I'm stuck in this this pit of disappointment a week ahead of the draft, knowing it's just not going to work out the way that I want. <laughs> They're going to take a linebacker, and I'm just going to bitch about it all spring. No playmakers, and they're going to draft that. The, what's his name? The the, the slot kid, um, the highly rated slot guy. <clears throat> not not uh, Matchy out of Alabama. Somebody help me out. Who's the, the, the Sky Moore? That kid. They're gonna they're gonna draft him at twenty. Because everybody, and then we're gonna get a classic mm-hmm. rant uh, from Neil, like you did with uh, what was the kid that when we did the show years ago? Uh, the wide Archer. receiver. Yes, the Dre Archer. Dre oh, Archer. which was classic. I, I wish I could find that. I, I'm, I'm going to go with. Let's say that segment was sponsored by Bud Light. It, 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 that was that was savage, though. I went off on that guy. That and, that, hey, that, that you know was what? classic. <laughs> I see. You can see now why he's just a useless NFL player. And they saw that almost immediately. He didn't. He didn't play. There was nothing he could do. He's, he was less productive to the offense than Chase Claypool is right now. Three archers are the worst NFL football players he's ever set foot on the field. And let and let me give Neil some props because Neil was the only guy that said uh, that the Steelers would draft Ryan Shazier. Yep. Uh, so I, so I want to give Neil some props for that. There. If, you, if you're and, one of the people that savaged me for making that call, yeah, well, it would have worked. Okay, <laughs> just put it that way. Yeah, and and, and, and would have been a multi a, a multi time Pro Bowler and All Pro player. He was well on his path to that. And Neil called his shot too on the show years ago, and no one had that. I, I, I'm going to take at the 20th pick. I'm going to go with friend of the program Luke Easterling, and I, I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett, number 20, the quarterback from the University of Pittsburgh. I think the Steelers are going quarterback with the 20th pick whether it's Ritter or, or whether it's Kenny Pickett, I, I think they want to identify yeah. that position quickly. And uh, here's a great resource if you're listening right now, uh, NFLMockDraftDatabase.com. Let me say that again, NFLMockDatabase.com. It's a great website where it compiles a bunch of the mock drafts from all these pundits out here. And so that's a great place to go to kind of find all the mock drafts in one particular place. I want to jump back into a comment. Uh, and let me cycle up to the comment here. And, and I think this will lead into uh, this is a comment from John Pennington. And I think this will lead to. Uh, yeah, I said it. And I want to get your thoughts on it as well, Neil. So John Pennington, thank you, John, for. Chiming into the program. Still believe the Steelers should draft a safety and a corner in this draft or find talent as an undrafted free agent after the draft. Inside linebacker is still needed along with a defensive tackle. If the Steelers draft four defensive players in this draft, they are going to get their doors blown off this year. They will draft if they draft anyway. <laughs> if, if if they draft four defensive players, 
you're going to be upset mm-hmm. because they're not going to score any points, <laughs> and, and they're going to get and they're this going to get their gates blown off. Let me say this: hopefully, for the last time this year, and, and it probably won't be the last time this year. Defense thinking that your response to a loaded division with really great quarterbacks is getting your defense and running game together. That doesn't work anymore. If you want to win games consistently in a national football league, you better score points. If you are going up against dynamic offenses, we've detailed the skill positions over the course of the division and the other teams in the division have better skill players across the board at a at multiple groups. Even the Ravens, because they struggle at possibly the wide receiver position, maybe the running back position because of depth, they still got Lamar Jackson, which totally eclipses Mitch Trubisky, so it works. It, it resolves some of the issues that they have in the running game. You can't combat that with defense and your running game. You're not going to hold down offenses like you did in the past. If the number 16th ranked scoring offense is at 23 points per game, good luck trying to win games where you're holding teams to 17, 19. That doesn't work anymore. Today's NFL, you're not going to do that consistently offensive playmakers you need to be able to score points now i disagree a little bit with Corey hatcher but i get the sentiment it can't be all offense that you draft it's not about the number here it's about what guys you're bringing in what you're trying to prioritize it's not and where they don't win because they draft six offensive players you know who are they they need a, a playmaking receiver and they need a slot receiver to play. Okay. They need basically two high snap receivers in this draft. And my opinion, I think 20 overall should be one of those two and it shouldn't be the slot. There are too many slot receivers um, of a, a, a veteran level that don't cost any money. It, it, we made fun of Ray Ray McLeod last year. Okay. We were still calling him Ray Ray McDonald last year. Nobody knew who he was. San Francisco just gave him $10 million over two years. Who's he? He had one game where, for whatever reason, he was like the only target on the field for the first half, which, again, goes to show how awesome the Steelers' wide receiving group is. He didn't need to get the ball that much. He just did for whatever reason, and he turned into a fairly decent player. They need somebody to come in and play a slot receiver. I'm not saying you need to draft that, but they absolutely need a guy that can make plays from multiple spots on the field. It, it's it's as simple as that. I mean, it, it, you're not going to get away with what you did last year because this year your quarterback is half as smart, will make more mistakes, and that will kill your ability if you're trying to set up an offense that has to have 11 plays to score touchdowns. Okay, when you're go- look look at both Chiefs games, there were points in time the Steelers had control of a slower tempo game. Uh, before Kansas City just decided to use their playmakers and completely destroy them for the rest of the game. Okay, what did they lose? Ninety-eight to six or something like that in two games against Kansas City last year. <laughs> they they had they were competitive with them at <laughs> halftime in the playoffs, but the Steelers don't have playmakers. You can't stop teams for sixty minutes anymore. Consistently, you are not going to do that. Um, you can catch lightning in a bottle, and if that's your plan, 
fine. You can continue to draft all the defensive players that you want. It's not going to happen. Let me end my rant by saying this. Miles Boykin, Rico Bussey, Anthony Rico Miller, <laughs> Gunnar Olszewski, Steven Sims, Tyler Vaughns, and Cody White. I don't think I need to say Jersey boy 70 here. This is, this is more than entertaining. I won the Super Bowl with the D what the the Super Bowl in 2008, that one, when Patrick Mahomes was like three years old, the game's changed a little bit, bro. Okay. They they don't play like that anymore. Pay attention. yeah, it's not it's it's not the same. So this whole running game, it, it's not it's it's not going to work. And I gr- I'm glad you brought up the point about number of plays to score. It, I mean, if if if, if, you, if if you have if you don't have explosive players, you got to have a lot of plays. This is an offense from a talent standpoint that sets up where it cannot make mistakes. It cannot get behind the chains. It has to run the ball really well. It can't turn it over. Because you don't have explosive playmakers. You have, to, you have to be perfect for an entire game to win 20 to 17. And it's just simply not going to happen. Defenses are set up to rush the passer and to defend the deep play. If you are unable to do, if you're unable to protect your quarterback or get your quarterback to get rid of the ball and you can't make plays down the field, you're not going to score because they're going to sack you and they're going to take it, take it away. And then you you lose those those snaps and that possession time that you need. Look at the Tennessee game. Look at what Pittsburgh had to do to win that game. It's still to this mind blowing how stupid that game was. It was absolutely ridiculous. If I was Mike Vrabel, I would have been destroying things in the locker room after that. They won every play except for four. What was the big reason why they weren't able to win? They couldn't make big plays. They didn't make big plays in that game. They dominated on the ground. They dominated defensively they lost because they turned the ball over and that's because they didn't make plays to score I mean it it just I know that seems simple but the longer you possess the ball the harder it is to to put a team away and if you're constantly playing at three points or even law of averages if you're not the one making plays the other team is and they're going to catch you in the end and that that's those teams are going to be nine and eight eight and nine somewhere in there You, you you rely on a couple breaks and winning ugly, dirty, the way that this team did last year, which was, it was hilariously entertaining how they were able to win. There's no way they're going to get away with that again. There's just simply no way. And if they don't have a guy that can make plays down the field, that's going to continue to happen. They're not going to score enough points. It's going to wear their defense out. And after a while, when they don't get sacks, when they don't get takeaways, they're going to lose the game. Outside of that uh, Seattle team, I think that was under 500 years ago with Marshawn Lynch. This is one of the worst playoff teams I've ever seen. And I don't want to pick on John Pennington, but I'm glad he wrote this because this is another, this kind of is my rant extended. When he wrote, scouts better earn their pay to find undrafted free agents to fill these holes, which will, which will be important to go along with some of the draft picks. If you're going to depend on undrafted. Earn their pay finding the guys to draft. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Exactly. Like every other I, team passed on them at least seven yeah, it's, times. Yeah, it's counterintuitive. counterintuitive. You're gonna find someone that nobody drafts to fill holes that you look, that's a myth. That that's a myth. And that's why I think, you know. The Steelers are still in a couple of years process. 
They don't have a quarterback for the long term. They are building this roster. Fans are going to have to be patient. They found the running back. They found the they, they, they found the tight end. If they took an offensive lineman in the first round, I wouldn't be mad. I think this is they're building pieces yeah. here. If they took a corner in the first round, I wouldn't be mad. Although they put assets to cornerback position, that's why I think they yeah. don't take a corner in the first round. I think they take a corner at some place. But when you look at this roster, they don't have really good skill players. I think they know it, and I think we all know it as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I got Kenny Pickett based on Luke Easterling. You have Chris Olave, and, and, and we'll see what it is. And, of course, listeners, we will definitely be back next week. I don't know if we're going to wait till Saturday. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out in terms of whether we want to do a quick show to talk about the Steelers draft pick. Maybe we'll do that. Saturday uh, and then, morning, we should do it. That's a great time. And then we'll it. and then we'll wrap it up all on Saturday morning. I'm traveling next week, but I'll bring my equipment and my gear to be able to do it. And so hopefully wherever where I'm going, they'll have good internet connection. We'll, we'll figure out. We'll definitely try to uh, bring you something. Big up to Eddie Longs, who chimed in. Big up to Dave You Big up to everybody who joined us this morning. And thank you, John uh, Pennington, for being uh the butt of the not the butt of the jokes or anything but, but thank you for giving us great material for for the rant to close the show <laughs> neil you want to pitch anything on the wire network or anything or that you got coming up i'm sure it's going to be hot and heavy with the draft if i have recently been placed in charge of the huddle our fantasy football subscription product you should definitely check that out uh, it's a great group of of uh fantasy writers if you are into fantasy um i'm looking forward to working with them and um link is the huddle.com go to that it's it's in there somewhere but um yeah a lot of great stuff it doesn't pertain just to fantasy football it really gives you a sense of uh the 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 skill positions like we just talked about a lot of the research i just did for this show was from the huddle uh smart group of people uh, writing there um i'm really looking forward to working with them and bringing more of that stuff to you guys on this show Awesome. Uh, you know, maybe I'll use the huddle.com to uh, finish second in my fantasy league for the third straight year. Uh, I do pretty well until I get to the finals and something bad happens, like Mahomes hands the ball off too much and I end up <laughs> losing uh, at the end of the year. But with that, we're going to conclude the show. What's up, Marcus J? Maybe you, you, you chimed in a little bit late. Uh, but big up to Marcus J and big up to everybody that tuned into the program. We appreciate you. If you have not liked or subscribed to the program, if you're new, please hit us with a subscription and also hit the like button. It helps with the algorithm, mysterious stuff that they do. So Eddie Longs, you look like a new guy that I haven't seen in here. So Eddie Long, please, your assignment is to click the like and subscribe button. And John, because I said your name, John Pennington, about 50 times in the show, you better hit like and subscribe. So do the do, do your task and your duty, and we're going to get out of here. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.